Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Good morning. I'm really excited to be with you this morning. I'm going to be talking um, on the last of our series around the table. But before we do that, let's just take a pause. Let's just take a moment. Just let's reflect on the worship we've just had. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. You are the way, the truth and the life. Just as we've been singing, those words are truth. And we pray today, as I speak, your voice can come through in the preparation I've done, that we can learn something new from you this morning. Amen. And so, I've, we're going to start, actually, first of all, with the passage that I've based my talk around. And my talk is called The Joy of the Table. So here is the passage. It's Luke 22. Now the festival of unleavened bread had arrived when the Passover lamb is sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John ahead and said, Go and prepare the Passover meal so we can eat together. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. A great passage, a great commandment almost for us to be doing and that is the passage we're really, I'm really centering my talk around. But as I pondered on the title, The Joy of the Table, I felt I really wanted to change the word table to altar. Because as I was thinking about this passage, I suddenly had a thought pop into my head that I think at the end of Jesus's life, the table becomes the altar. And the more I thought about this, I saw a clear picture in my head of the stone table from the Narnia book, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. I'm afraid I can't share that picture with you this morning because of copyright. I didn't have time to draw a picture. You'll be glad to hear because I am seriously not very good at drawing. But I hope you can perhaps go later and have a look at that picture that um, he's got in his Narnia book. So C.S. Lewis writes this book with so much Christian symbolism. And when Aslan, 
meant to represent Jesus is sacrificed to defeat evil. It's not on a cross, but on a stone table. Or as C.S. Lewis wants it to be seen, a stone altar. You see, the joy is that Jesus died for me and you. But how often do we think about that and thank him on a daily basis? You know, God has really challenged me over the last few months to really take on board in my head, my heart and my soul how Jesus died just for me. This fact should alter the way I live and think. When did you last think about how Jesus died for you and all you've ever done wrong? So what is so joyful about Jesus's death for us? We sometimes have a wrong view of joy. The meaning today is very different from the meaning when joy was used in the Bible. Let's unpack what the true meaning of joy is in the Bible. Hebrews 12, verse one and two. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Joy is not an emotion, but a way of thinking, a cognitive process. It is deep rooted in us as Christians, placed there by the Holy Spirit. God is in our lives, whatever befalls us. Jesus knew that dying on the cross, taking the blackness and weight of all the world's wrongdoing, facing a separation from God would be horrendous, but ultimately joyful because it would bring our freedom and restore us to a right relationship with God. When Corrie ten Boom was imprisoned in a concentration camp, by the Nazis, she said one of the only things to keep her alive was to cling to the joy of the knowledge of God. One night, there was another roll call. She was weak and lacking in strength. And she looked up and heard a skylark, one of the only birds to sing in darkness. She writes this, even in the death and carnage, I felt through that bird song that God was showing his love and joy just as sure as the cruelty of men. You see, I believe sometimes that life can be seen as two 
rail tracks that run alongside one another. There is always one track with the good stuff running through our lives and equally there will be another track with bad stuff too. When you follow the train track and look into the distance, when they reach the horizon, they become one. We will always have loss and sadness to some degree in our lives. But one day, as it states in Revelation 21, God will wipe away every tear, heal every sickness and rid us of every pain as he restores the world. Only one train track full of joy will remain and we will be reconciled with God. So joy should not be confused with happiness. The joy of Jesus, as we read in he as we read in Hebrews 12 right at the beginning, was the absolute self-surrender and self-sacrifice to his Father. He is trying to show his disciples this when he eats the Last Supper with them. Jesus prayed, our joy might eventually become the same joy as his. And if you look at John chapter 15, verse 9 to 11, this is what Jesus says. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. So the challenge is, have we allowed Jesus to introduce his joy to us? You see, living a full joyful life does not rest in bodily health, in circumstance, nor even in seeing God's work succeed, but in a love and surrender to God that Jesus himself enjoyed. And that is why it all comes back to Jesus's death again. Let's return to that table, or in Jesus's eyes, that altar round which he had gathered his disciples. The Last Supper was in fact part of the Jewish Passover meal. And those around the table would have been doing this since they were tiny children, remembering how God had rescued them from slavery in Egypt and made them free. The words and the symbols never changed until Jesus switched it up. You see, when the bread was broken by the leader of the Passover meal, he would say, this is the bread of suffering that our fathers ate in the wilderness. So you can imagine the disciples' surprise when Jesus broke the bread and instead he said, this is my body broken for you. And then he took the third cup of the Passover because it was taken after the meal, known as the cup of redemption. And he said, this is my blood of the covenant poured 
out for many. And as we read that passage, we can miss how startling this was to the disciples. Jesus took the traditional Passover words and changed them so they were about him. He was saying, I have come to bring the ultimate deliverance from slavery. In me, you will have the ultimate exodus freedom from slavery of sin and deliverance from evil. I am the great substitute. By my death, God's judgment passes over you. And when today we remember Jesus's last supper and later as we're going to celebrate communion together again, we proclaim Jesus's death because his death was totally different than any other death there has ever been. The joy of the altar is that God chose to love sinful, messed up people like me and you. There had to be a transfer, a substitutionary sacrifice. Jesus came to us in our sin, misery and guilt, and that was transferred to him. If you were starving and a great feast was put in front of you, it would do you no good unless you ate it. I am always disappointed when I go to lovely stately homes and they have great big tables full of shiny chandeliers and the best china filled with plastic food. Jesus does not just say, this is my body broken for you. No, he goes on to say, take and eat. He wants us to take in the amazing reality of his death. He wants it to become food and drink to our souls. This is why it's called the joy of the table or the joy of the altar. For the great work of the Christian life is to take the things we know are true and work them in deep so that they make a difference. As Jesus reclined around the Last Supper table, he was describing a visible sign, teaching his disciples then and us today that we must continually come back to him and his death and what his death meant and achieved. And as we end, I'd like to share a powerful image that the great author, J.R.R. Tolkien, uses in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Again, I'm afraid I can't share, due to copyright, this great picture that comes from the Return of the King movie. J.R.R. Tolkien wrote about the same time as C.S. Lewis. They were both great Christian fantasy writers and both really impacted by the death of Jesus in their lives. As C.S. Lewis uses the image of the stone altar, I shared at the beginning, Tolkien uses a great battle scene to share the impact of Jesus's victory and joy on the cross for us. A huge battle is being fought and the city of Gondor is besieged. Forces of evil 
are all around. It seems as if the end is in sight. And then, right at that moment, on the brink of despair, a sound of horns is heard in the distance. The armies of Rowan have ridden to the rescue to defeat the dark enemy. Pippin, one of the hobbits, has witnessed all of this, and this is what is written. Pippin rose to his feet as if a great weight had been lifted from him and he stood listening to the horns. And it seemed to him that they would break his heart with joy. Never in after years could he hear a horn blown in the distance without tears starting in his eyes. Pippin's memory was stirred because of the great sacrifice the invasion made to secure his liberation. That is our challenge. We should never come to the table or altar without our hearts being stirred to see and feel again the joy of this sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Paul got it and he wrote in Romans 8. I've taken this from the voice version because it's so great. So who can separate us? What can come between us and the love of God's anointed Jesus? Can troubles, hardships, persecution, hunger, poverty, danger or even death? The answer is... Absolutely nothing. But no matter what comes, we will always taste victory. There it is, Jesus' victory on the cross. Through him who loved us. For I have every confidence that nothing, not death, life, heavenly messengers, dark spirits, the present, the future, spiritual powers, height, depth, nor any created thing can come between us and the love of God revealed in the anointed Jesus, our Lord. So the challenge of today is to think more about the death of Jesus and let it change the way you think and live. He loves you with a love that cannot be measured, stopped or contained. Let's remember again the joy of the table by sharing the symbols of his body and his blood together. Before we do that, let's take a moment to pause, to ask for forgiveness and to thank Jesus for dying just for you. Lord Jesus, examine my heart and show me anything not pleasing to you. Forgive me for any sin that hurts both my heart and yours. Thank you that you died just for me. Fill me with your peace 
and love. Amen. And as we take the bread together, wherever you are, it's great to be doing this together. Even if you're sat at home on your own, you're not. We're all together doing this. It brings us together. It's a unifying thing. So as we take the bread, remember Jesus's body broken just for you. And then as we take the wine or the juice, remember Jesus's blood shed just for you. There's a great scripture in Hebrews 4 that says this. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk Thank you for listening.